Welcome to another episode of The Case Files of Eddie James, the exciting new show within a show that gives you, the listener, both a thrilling mystery and a peek into the world behind the scenes. Brought to you by Bizzo Soap, the versatile soap that can't be beat for dishes, gets your white sparkling white, keeps the colors of the rest of your laundry at their brand new brilliance, and yet is gentle enough for washing your hands and face. One soap for so many uses, which saves the savvy housewife time and money. Bizzo Soap for the Bizzo Busy Woman. It's another busy day at KTMQ, radio station home of The Case Files of Eddie James. It's not busy recording-wise, however. The station management decided to give the entire station a bit of a beauty treatment. Decorative details such as wall sconces, drapery, and artwork are being installed everywhere, including in the studios. The Eddie James crew were told they would be inconvenienced for only a short time. It's been over an hour. That doesn't seem to be the biggest issue, however. This is the dumbest thing they've ever done. Curtains in the booth windows. Big hunks of ugly plaster reliefs on the walls. Do the actors care it's fancy in here? No. Is all this stuff going to change the sound of the room and make my job harder? You bet it is. I don't know that we care what the studio looks like, but I will say it does look nicer. And maybe that means something to the stockholders. As for the sound, you never know. It might make it better. Mm, I gotta side with CJ on this one. Sound is gonna bounce off the plaster, not get absorbed. Though, on the other hand, the curtains will absorb sound, so maybe they'll cancel each other out? Ross, where you been? We were supposed to start half an hour ago. I knew we were delayed. I had breakfast with Charles this morning, and he told me. Oh, did Mr. Ferguson happen to say why we were getting all gussied up? Uh, mm, I don't believe he did. We were discussing other things. Oh? Like what? Anything juicy? Juicy? Mm, well, I suppose one or two topics of conversation might be of interest to the press. Not that I would share anything with journalists. How about your castmates? We promise we won't tell anyone. Oh, well, you are all faithful chums, aren't you? <laughs> Very well. Just remember your vows. Our public is bound to be quite excited by this news, so it must be released through the proper channels. You're quitting the show. No, heavens no. I couldn't do that to all of you. Heavens no. That would be too good. Yes. What? Oh, Barney, you do, kid. This secret does involve me. Now, oh, well, uh, TMQ is going to be producing a new television show, an anthology sort of thing, where theatrical dramas and comedies will be presented. Charles has asked me to be its host, and occasional actor, of course. The powers that be on both sides have just come to terms. <laughs> I was meeting with Charles to sign the contract. Congratulations, Russ. That's great news. Thank you, Roberta. I have bent Charles' ear about including all of you in an episode or two. I can't promise anything, as it's all out of my hands, but I did make the attempt. Well, thanks for the attempt. 
You mentioned there was a couple of secrets. What was the other one? Oh, I hope it isn't bad news about this show. I know it can't last forever, but I'm really not ready for us to break up. Me either. I love you guys for sure, but honestly, I can't afford to lose any more shows. They just canceled Green Pastures. Oh, they did? That's too bad. That's a good show. Dr. Reynolds got the axe, too. Yeah, so did Sagebrush Ridge. Jeez, I hope they ain't canceling all the radio shows in favor of a television. I haven't heard anything to that end, but all of those cancellations are troubling. I don't think we need to worry about TMQ shutting down the radio division. Charles would have told me. Besides, people are still listening. Ratings have been the best they've been in two years. We seem to have figured out what the secret isn't. Mind telling us what it is, Russell? Oh, well, I really shouldn't. But I suppose the cat is now halfway out of the bag. Spill it already, or I'll pummel you. Oh, all right, all right. No need for violence, Mr. Fuller. This really must not leave this room. Hmm? KTMQ has been bought by the Excelsior Network. In preparation for this merger, they did trim a bit of the fat, so to speak, which included the programs you mentioned. It also includes certain personnel. Charles is stepping down, as well as several other higher-ups. Excelsior brought TMQ, huh? It's not that surprising, I guess. They pretty much own Eddie James. Why not the whole place? Oh, it's too bad about Mr. Ferguson, though. I've always liked him. Yeah, me too. So who's going to run this station now? Ah, uh, yes. Now that is a question with a rather controversial answer. According to Charles, the wife of the president of Excelsior is taking on TMQ as a kind of uh, a pet project. She purportedly has some experience running businesses, and she has always wanted to dabble in the arts. Oh, that explains the curtains and objects dart. I hope she's not going to paint the whole place pink now. Don't assume that this is all because of a woman, CJ, or that a female isn't capable of running a radio and television station as efficiently as a man. Women are just as smart and just as talented as men. They're just not given the chance to prove it. Yeah! Yeah, I agree with you, Roboida. That being said, not Every woman or man is fit for the job. I'll just have to wait and see how this particular woman does. Wait uh, with an open mind, everyone. Anything can happen. In the meantime, let's get to work. The city is a lonely place. I know, I walk its streets. I'm Eddie James. Being a lonely man in that lonely city gives me a chance to see things other people miss, and that makes me a good detective. Walk with me and see for yourself. The name I knew her by was Helen Lynette. That wasn't a real name, of course. Was she beautiful? Not really. Her gray eyes were too piercing, her nose turned up too much. She always wore a smirk, which made you feel like either she had something on you or she was too smart for her own good. Both turned out to be true. What she had more of than anything was a cunning charm that could 
turned the head of even the hardest man. By the time I met her, she had been married three times, and all three husbands had died under unusual circumstances. I fell hard for her, but not hard enough to want to commit to her for the rest of my life. My gut could feel there was something off about her, and that was enough to keep me from buying a diamond ring. Still, I was smitten. I would have done anything else for her. I started to ignore work and friends. Wayne, Lieutenant Wayne Hadley, homicide cop and close friend, got worried. He got the same feeling as my gut. He did something about his feeling, though. He found out about the husbands. He reopened their cases, and he found out the truth. The truth that she had killed all three of them. He almost found out too late. When she realized I wouldn't become husband number four, she decided to get rid of me permanently so she could get a more willing lover. Wayne figured out what was going to happen just in the nick of time. Helen had me cornered in my own apartment. She was going to shoot me in the head and make it look like suicide. Wayne burst in and startled her so the bullet went into my shoulder instead. She was tried and convicted of attempted murder. Wayne tried to get first-degree murder for all of the husbands as well, but due to lack of hard evidence, the best he could get was manslaughter. Still, they were enough to get her put away for a long, long time. She was supposed to be in prison for a long time anyway. Just when I got to thinking about her again, she escaped. A week later, she was still at large. I knew where she was headed. So did Wayne and my assistant, Susie. They were worried. I was resigned, I guess. Look, you two, I appreciate your concern, but you're acting like two overprotective parents. I don't need all of this attention. Yes, you do. You need it on a regular basis. With her on the loose, it's an absolute necessity. I can take care of myself. You didn't do so well the last time, and now you refuse to go into hiding. We have to do something. No, I, I won't go into hiding. It's not how I work. Besides, the best way to catch her is with bait. I'm the only bait she wants. You might be right about that. You're probably right about that. But that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice yourself. I don't intend to. I intend to catch her before anything bad happens. Yeah, you know what they say about good intentions, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also know what they say about a good defense and being forewarned. So yesterday I had a long talk over the phone with the prison warden. I bet she told you that Helen Lynette was a model prisoner and had tons of friends there that she couldn't believe she'd break out. Oh, no. She said inmate Lynette was extremely difficult, was constantly in trouble, had no friends, and had been caught trying to get out a couple of times. Well, she got out this time by faking an injury and stabbing a nurse with a broken broom handle. She had completely disappeared in seconds. I talked to the warden, too. You left out something. The part where Helen had scratched your name all over her cell walls. You're in her crosshairs, Eddie. You need to get somewhere safe and let us get her. No, Wayne. I appreciate your concern, both of you. But I'm not changing my mind about this. If you have a problem with that, 
There's the door. You are the most stubborn, pig-headed... <sighs> Fine. If that's what you're going to do, then I'm staying right here with you. You can't talk me out of it, and you can't make me leave. Thanks. I wish I could stay too, but I think I'll be more useful at the station anyway. That being said, as a citizen, you are entitled to police protection, and I'm going to give you all that I can. I'm assigning Feely to you until this is over, and I'll make sure there's either a beat cop or a prowler nearby at all times. Uh, thank you. I better get to work. I'll let you know if there's any news. You let me know if anything happens. Eddie, I'm scared. I'm more afraid for you than anything. How can you be so calm? I have to be. Giving into what I'm really feeling would cloud my thinking. I have to treat this like any other case. I get that, I guess. We don't sit around and wait for the bad guy to show up in other cases, though. And we're not going to do that now. We need to be ready for anything, so let's work on defense from another angle. Oh? What angle is that? Code words. Just in case we get in a situation where we need to communicate in a way she or anyone can't understand. Oh, like the code Wayne Danny and I came up with on the ride up to Santa Natalia. Yeah, that's what gave me the idea. What do you want to start with? Well, how about if we're armed or not? Something like, um, the heat is on if we have a gun. It's cold in here if we don't. Heat is on. It's cold in here. Got it. How about ending a sentence with doing something at 3 o'clock if we want to count down from 3? Hmm. You mean, if I don't have a gun in hand, for instance, but there's one I can reach, I say, it's cold in here, but it'll warm up at 3 o'clock. Exactly. That would be a signal to me to cause a distraction that included 2 and 1, like, I wish it would warm up at 2 or even 1. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. We should have thought of this a long time ago. We could also have a word for gun, like, uh, sun. You could say, it's cold in here, but the sun will warm it up at 3 o'clock. <laughs> I like that even better. Sun it is. What's next? Well, we greet the people who just walked in the door. Good morning. How may we help you? It's not a good morning. Our mother has gone missing. You need to find her right away. We're certain something dastardly has happened to her. We contacted the police before we came to you, but they wouldn't take the case. They think there's nothing wrong, but we're certain something is terribly amiss. Oh, okay, okay. hold on. Let's start this properly. Please have a seat. I'm Eddie James, and this is my assistant, Susie Beck. Who are you, and who is your mother? I think I can answer the first part. You're Archimedes and Terpsichore Fletcher, aren't you? Ooh, uh, please, I prefer to be called by my nickname Chip. The other is, um, unfortunate to say the least, but yes, that is who we are. I'm surprised and uh, a bit pleased that you recognize us. I prefer Corey. We got the names and our talents from Mother, but not the eccentricities. I'm afraid I'm not as enlightened as my assistant. Why does she know you? Oh, we're antiquity experts of some small renown. I specialize in those of the Mediterranean area, Greek and Roman mostly, Sumerian, Babylonian, you get the idea. My focus is South America, the Aztec, and Incan civilizations. Despite the fact we are twins, we couldn't be more different. No, obviously. Neither one of you picked Egypt. <laughs> No. Ever since Sir Carter discovered Tutankhamun's tomb, 
Egypt has been the fashionable place for archaeology. We prefer less popular areas. We don't dig things up anyway. We research what's found and piece together its history. Their mother is Bronwyn Fletcher, the woman who sailed solo from England to Hong Kong, hiked to the summit of Aconagua in Argentina, and flew a hot air balloon from Vancouver, British Columbia to Montreal, Quebec. She is as much an attention seeker as she is batty. What she isn't is a recluse. Mother is always like a hummingbird, flitting from one topic of conversation to another and relating either tales of her last exploit or the plans for the next one. Corey and I no longer live at the family home. We each have our own digs. <laughs> digs. <laughs> but we drop on in mother on a regular basis, though, and almost always have dinner with her on Sundays. She usually exhausts us with her diatribes. Until a week or so ago. All of a sudden, she became very withdrawn. A woman who never sat still for anything and was hardly ever at home for more than a week at a time wouldn't leave the house. We could tell there was something terribly wrong, but she wouldn't tell us what it was. Kept insisting everything was fine. Then, three days ago, she disappeared. She didn't answer our phone calls. One day without her picking up the phone, I could shrug off. But when two went by and then three... We went to the house last night and knocked on the door. She prefers we do that so we don't startle her. She didn't answer. I was afraid maybe she had fallen or had an attack or something, so we went in. She was gone. We checked every room in the house. Did you notice if she had taken anything with her? Clothes, toiletries... Nothing seemed to be missing, but we didn't look hard. We did notice one thing, though. Mother's amulet was on her dressing table. It's an ancient gold pendant covered in runes that was gifted to her by our father. She never, ever goes anywhere without it. She's the victim of foul play. We're sure of it. You've got to help us, Mr. James. You're the best private detective in all of Los Angeles, according to my research. We'd really love to, but... We'd I be happy to help you, Miss Fletcher. Eddie! We can do both. You can stay here and work on the one, and I'll go with the Fletchers. Oh, no. You're not going anywhere without me. Is there a problem? No, no. 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 Not where you're concerned, anyway. By the way, I charge 50 a day plus expenses. Uh, we knew that. Here is a certified check for $100. You find our mother, and we are prepared to add $500 to that. We'll find her. Let's start with a visit to her home. What's the address? 4855 Eldred Street. Um, you'll have to park in the carport, as it's uh, not possible to park on the street. Why is that? The grade is far too steep. It's the steepest street in Los Angeles. I do hope neither of you suffer from acrophobia. We'll close our eyes. Meet you there in half an hour. I need to make a call first. Wow, she wasn't kidding. This street is practically vertical. Must be a great theft deterrent. Must be. What did Wayne say when you called? He said he didn't know if it was crazy for me to take on a case or a great idea. And that he doesn't have any updates. He also confirmed that the Fletchers did file a missing persons report and that because of Mrs. Fletcher's past exploits, it wasn't taken seriously. I told him I'd let him know if they should get serious. Oh, thank you for being so expeditious. Please, come in. Corey's preparing tea. 
Wow, the outside of this house does not match the inside. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We call it Victorian Sensibilities Meet Overambitious Museum. Our father was a businessman by trade and a collector by hobby. He's been gone for years, but Mother could never part with his trophies, as she calls them. I call it a fire trap. There isn't an inch of wall or floor open anywhere. Oh, it seems to be orderly anyway. Oh, it is that. The tea is steeping. Should be ready in a few minutes. You can start doing whatever it is you do while you wait. Well, what I do is very similar to what you do. I look for clues that lead to the truth. The most logical place to start is the bedroom. Oh, I'll take you up. Okay, Susie, why don't you and Corey tackle down here? Good idea. This is Mother's bedroom. Feel free to search the entire thing. We have no secrets. Not from you. There are suitcases in here, and there are no empty hangers. The bed hasn't been slept in recently, though. You haven't received any letters or phone calls about her from anyone. No, nothing. Corey, either. We discussed it before we came to you. So you think something's happened? Yeah, but don't jump to conclusions. Maybe there's a logical explanation. Is it at all possible that there was an emergency, maybe to a family member? No, not family. There's only us now. Mother has a younger sister, but we haven't seen her since I was about five. She could be dead for all we know. The rest of the family's gone. How about a friend or neighbor? Mother doesn't have any close friends. I called several people she knows, but... No one has spoken to her in weeks. As for neighbors, well, there are a couple who make patrolling the street and minding everyone's business their life's work. It's possible they saw something. I say we interview them next, then. Anything else I should look at up here? Hmm. I don't think so. Corey and I searched every nook and cranny, even the attic, which is no more than a crawl space. There was nothing out of place. Mm, well... Well, let's go. Done already? For now. Find anything down here? Yeah, anomalies. Corey discovered her mother's purse is missing, as well as her keys. But her glasses are on the table next to her chair. Another thing? There was a collection of family photos on the piano in the living room. They're gone. Oh, it is an anomaly. And you two didn't notice that until now. You'd need to go through this house again and see if there's anything else missing. Susie and I will talk to the neighbors. We'll be back. There's something about this case that's giving me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> How can you tell you already had the heebie-jeebies? Not funny. And these are different. Something is off in that house. I wish I knew what it was. Hopefully we're about to find out what that is. I couldn't help but notice you two leaving Miss Bronwyn's house. We don't get many strangers around here. Everything all right? Well, we don't know. That's what we've come to find out. Have you noticed anything unusual in the past few days? Well, if I have, I don't know why I'd be telling you. You look like a reporter, and we don't appreciate your kind around here. Uh, ho hold on. Uh, I'm not a reporter. I'm a private detective. I'm Eddie James, and this is my assistant, Susie Beck. 
Here's my identification. Chip and Corey have hired us to look into a, a certain matter. Private detective, eh? So something has happened to Miss Bronwyn. I was wondering. I thought it had been awfully quiet over there. She's usually noisy, Mr. Um... Uh, Capaldi. I live right across the street. I wouldn't say she's noisy, not to a bothersome level at any rate. She's just always coming and going. Eh, Well, she's usually going and coming. I haven't seen hiding her hair of her in at least three days. I thought maybe she'd gone off on another escapade, but it's not like her not to tell one of us. Is this about Bronwyn? Oh, so she has met with misadventure. I knew it. I felt it in my bones, and my bones are never wrong. Now, Gertrude, don't let your imagination run away with you. I'm sure Miss Bronwyn is just having one of our silly little... Oh, they are not silly, Anthony. They're marvelous. I wish I could be as brave as she is. But she's not on an escapade. She always tells me when she's going away so I can collect her mail and water her plants. I haven't heard a word from her in days. You two are detectives, aren't you? And you're here to find out what happened to dear Bronwyn. I can feel that in my bones as well. Well, your bones are telling you the truth. I knew it. They're never wrong. I'm Mrs. Gertrude Langdon. I live in the next house up and have done so since it was built in 1902. Has our poor friend and neighbor met with an accident or something? That's what we're here to find out. Have you noticed anything in the past three days? Well, let's see. Uh, Mavis, she's an opossum, had babies on Sunday. I've seen her waddling down the street with all of them hanging on her back for dear life. Oh, it's marvelous, really. I would even say adorable. Uh, Mr. James doesn't care about Mavis, Gertrude, just Bronwyn. Have you seen anyone come to the house, maybe, or Bronwyn leave? Oh, 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 yes, of course. Um, oh, let me think. Uh, three days, I think you said? Oh, no, I haven't seen a soul at Bronwyn's. All of the lights have been off at night. Well, wait, most of them. One went on in the middle of the night, the night before last, in one of the rooms upstairs. It woke me right up. It was so jarring. I got up to see what was going on, but it was off again before I got to the window. Interesting. How about you, Mr. Capaldi? I've only seen Chip and Corey. They came yesterday. Well, there was a telegram, boy. Uh, oh, but that was a week ago. I don't think I've seen anyone I don't know come onto our street since. I'll speak to our other neighbors for you, Mr. James. If I find out anything, no matter how small, I'll notify you at once. Thanks. Here's my card. If either of you see anything, please let us know. Oh, we certainly will. You can count on us, dear boy. <laughs> Thanks. Nice to meet you both. Susie, let's go see if Chip and Corey found anything else. Neither Chip nor Corey found anything else missing, but Susie was right. Something else was off in that house. The hairs on the back of my neck don't stand up for the heck of it. Why had the family photos been taken, for one thing? I asked them to see if they could find an old photo album. Maybe there's a family member still around that they didn't know about who showed up unexpectedly and Bronwyn gave them the photos. 
While they looked for albums, Susie and I went back to the office to work on the other case. Case. My life was really what it was. Sergeant Dan Feely was standing guard when we got to the office. His expression was uncharacteristically somber and worried. There you guys are. The lieutenant said you were out on a case, but he thought you'd be back before now. The case is a little more complicated than we expected. How long have you been standing there, Sergeant Field? About a half an hour. I did a couple of walks around the building, but the rest of the time I've been here. I haven't seen anyone come in or out. Is it always this quiet? No, most of our neighbors are doctors or dentists, and they're always busy. There's a medical convention downtown this week, though, and a lot of them are there. Hi to you, too. Uh-oh, romance cooling already. Not at all. It's just that when I'm in the job, the job comes first. You may want to rethink that, especially when we're all on the same job. Eh, I get it. You could slip in and hello, though, Danny. You're right, Sis. I'm sorry. Hi. Aw, oh, glad we got that settled. So, you didn't see anyone suspicious around? I saw a lot of suspicious people around. This is Los Angeles. I didn't see anyone that looked like they were connected to you, though. Such a wise guy. I've been rubbing off on you. <laughs> you or Wayne. You both have a twisted sense of humor. Hey, there's a telegram on the floor. Must have come between the time we left and you got here, Danny. Wait! Don't touch that. Just in case. Let me. I have gloves. Yikes. What does it say? It says... Hello, darling. Stop. Miss me? Stop. You won't have to much longer. Stop. H. Yikes is right. Yeah. But, in a way, this is a good thing. Now we're sure of her intentions. Susie, call our pal Stan at the telegraph office. See if he can find out where this was sent from. Got it. I'd better tell Grumpy about this. I'll do it. I saw a phone down in the lobby. Oh, I know you're safe Susie for now. Susie just put a gun on her desk. Be right back. Stan said the telegram request was left on the counter when the clerk had his back turned, along with a $5 bill. There was no signature or any sender information, but because they had the money, they went ahead and sent it. Eddie, that means she's in town. Yeah. Sure does. She must know where you live. You've lived in that house forever. And she knows where this office is. You've got to get out of here. I don't agree. She's crazy, but she's also smart. She's figured out that the office is being watched. That's why she sent a telegram instead of trying to slip a note under the door. She's going to cook up a scheme to draw me out into the open. Until then, this is the safest place for me to be. <laughs> you just sent chills down my spine. You said that way too coolly. Only because I had to. You do the same. Stay focused. I need you more than ever right now. For, well, a lot of things. I'm focused. Thanks. I knew I could count on you. Let's think. Here's what we know about Helen. She broke out of prison. She has a vendetta against me. She's in town. She never had many friends, not when I knew her, and she doesn't have any family, so she's most likely holed up alone somewhere. That's not much. She probably has a disguise now. 
Disguise. Wait a minute. She shouldn't have any money for a disguise or anything else. She could have stolen clothes, I guess. But she paid for the telegram. Where did she get the cash? Great question. We should... What's a great question, Eddie? Captain Magnuson. What are you doing here? Helping to keep you off our case list. I told him what was going on, and he insisted on getting involved. Uh, do you know Susie, Captain? Susie, my boss, Captain Carl Magnuson. We've met. Um, so, what was the question? The suspect, Helen, sent Eddie a telegram and paid for it. Where'd she get the money? That is a good question. It's so good, I'm going to put a team on it to find out the answer. Good idea. Take as many men as you need... I want this woman caught, and as quickly as possible. Eddie isn't the only one in danger. The whole city is at risk. Will do, sir. Wayne told me you're in a case, Eddie. Something about a missing person? Bronwyn Fletcher is missing. It was originally thought that she had just gone off on one of her famous adventures, but Susie and I don't think so. A necklace her son and daughter say she never goes anywhere without is still on her dresser. No clothes have been taken. On the other hand, her purse and a collection of family photos are missing. Why didn't they report it? <clears throat> they did. Because of Mrs. Fletcher's history, we didn't take it seriously. I'll get that. Hello? Is that you, Miss Peck? Hi, Chip. Yes, it's me. Did your mother come home? Sadly, no. However, Corey did find an old family album. Uh, we thought you might be interested. Absolutely. Hold on a sec. They found a family album. Why don't I run over and get it? It'll give us something to do. And there might be a clue in it. Only if you take Feely with you. I don't trust anyone right now. We'll stay here until you get back. Wayne, you don't trust anyone on the best day. But I get it. Chip, okay if I come over and pick it up now? Yes, that's fine. Neither Corey nor I are going anywhere till Mother comes home. See you shortly. Okay, all set. I... We will run over and run right back. Should take less than an hour, depending on traffic. If you two aren't back in an hour, I can and will send out a full detachment to come after you. Gee, sir, I, I don't think that will be necessary. I've got Miss Beck covered. Not that she really needs help. She's darn good at taking care of herself. I hope you're right. I hoped so, too. I hoped that Helen was solely focused on me and either didn't know or didn't care about Susie. I underestimated her obsession. Susie's account of what happened next explained a few things. It also makes my blood run cold every time I think about it. Um, this street is nuts. It's like walking straight up. How do people live here? By building their homes perpendicular to the hill, silly. You don't notice the incline at all inside. Oh. I would have figured that out myself, only I'm too worried about you to really think straight. Worried about me? I'm not the one with a lunatic after me. Eddie is. But you're connected to him. She could think you're in the way or worse, a rival. She'd be very wrong about the rival part. There's no one for me but you, Sergeant. Aww. I love you too, Seamus. Mm. I thought I heard someone out here. Hello, Susie. Oh, oh, hello, Corey. Corey, this is Sergeant Dan Feely. Danny, Miss Corey Fletcher. Does this mean the police are finally taking us seriously? 
partly. There you are, Susie. I've been poring over this album. It's truly fascinating. There is a daguerreotype of great-grandmother who is the spitting image of Cory, or, no, rather, Cory is the spitting image of her. Come see. Wow, she really does look like you, Cory. Is this the only album you found? These pictures are really old. I doubt any of these people are still alive. Yes, but now that I'm thinking about it, I think there's one in the bookcase upstairs in the hallway. I forgot about it until just now. Oh, right. The one we forget is an album because it was covered in flowered fabric. I'll get it. I'm sure you two have been up and down the stairs enough for one day. Be right back. Here's the bookcase. Hmm, let's see. Oh, there it is. Ooh, this album is from just 20 years ago. Maybe there's a picture of their mysterious aunt. If this was no more than a family reunion, she's the most likely one to have come. You won't need a photo. Huh? Who are you and where the heck did you come from? Oh my... You're Helen. I see Eddie picked his assistant well. Shut that mouth now, or I'll silence you with this. I've often found a knife to be more effective than a gun. <laughs> so now you have the who. As for the where, you're about to see for yourself. Move. A secret room? Yes, and I'm the only one who knows it exists. Well, the only one who's not a hostage, that is. <laughs> Put your hands behind your back. Do it. This isn't going to work. There are people waiting for me downstairs. If I don't come down in the next couple of minutes, they're going to come looking for me. They couldn't find you, even if you scream, dear. The walls in there are soundproof. The man who built this house was a bootlegger. But they won't look for you because I'm going to send them on a wild goose chase. Then I'll contact my dear Eddie and offer him a little trade. Your life for his. Now get in there. <coughs> Great, it's pitch black in here. Doesn't matter, I've got to get out of here and fast. I've got to warn Eddie. He'd never think of looking here. I don't know how she thought of coming here, but... She used to live here. <laughs> I didn't know there was anyone else in here. Who are you? Bronwyn Fletcher. Bronwyn Fletcher? You mean you've been here the whole time? Why, yes. Who are you and why do you know so much? I'm Susie Beck. I'm the assistant to a private detective, Eddie James. Chip and Corey hired us to find you. They were sure you hadn't just gone off on another adventure, and we believed them. I knew if I left my amulet, they'd know there was trouble. I just wish they knew about this room. She was right. None of us knew of its existence. Helen is your sister, isn't she? Yes. I haven't seen or spoken to her in years. We had a falling out. She thought any man was hers for the taking, including my husband. Well, I took umbrage to that and cut ties. She didn't try to contact me once, until a week ago. Out of the blue, she told me via telegram that she was being released from prison and that she was coming to stay with me. I had no way to reply or I would have refused her. 
Not that it mattered. She sneaked into the house and took me by force. For what reason, I have no idea. I bet I know why. She created a case for Eddie. It was a lure to bring him here so she could see him without him seeing her. He wouldn't think to look for her here. He doesn't know the familial connection. Eddie James is the one man she entwined who she didn't manage to kill, isn't he? Well, I read about her trial. I think you're right. You're a pretty savvy detective yourself. Thanks. I wish I was savvy enough to get us out of here. You may just be yet. Have faith. Join that wonderful brain with mine. Maybe together we can find a solution. There's no sign of her anywhere. I've searched the house and grounds and the woods up and down the hill. There's no sign of anyone disturbing the brush recently. And, and she wasn't in the house, not even in the crawl space in the attic. H Helen must have followed us here and kidnapped her if anything's happened to her. It hasn't. And it won't. We won't let it. The captain has the whole area surrounded and we can see the house from down here. Wayne's right. She's insane, Danny. You can't fight insanity and you can't second guess it. Helen wants me. She grabs Susie to draw me out. She'll probably offer to trade her for me. So, now what? We have to do something. All we can do right now is wait. She has to make the next move. Hey, you two! I told everyone in the area to evacuate. We have something important to tell our dear friend Eddie. Something very important. You have something to say, Gertrude. I don't know anything about it. I'm just here to, well, support you. Oh, Anthony, you are such a gentleman. I, I, what's so important, Mrs. Langdon? Well, I meant to call you about this. I really did. But, well, Henrietta, how oh, that's my best laying hen. I have a coop in my backyard. And, well, she had a fight with Agnes yesterday. And, well, cleaning up after them. Oh, I just simply forgot. Gertrude. Was... Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, I saw Ailey slip in and out of the house yesterday. Well, I haven't seen her in ages, since Chip and Cory were very, very small. I heard she's been in some trouble, so, well, I thought it was odd that she was here. Who is Ailey? Bronwyn's sister. She doesn't use her real name anymore. I expect it's because it's so hard to spell. She uses the English translation now. Helen. Helen Lynette is Bronwyn's sister. Ah, of course. She must have kidnapped Bronwyn to get me out on a case. But how? We would have seen that for sure. Eh, maybe they went out the back door. Or maybe they haven't left at all. I just remembered. When I was young, the Fletcher's house was built for the Sullivan family. I made friends with Sarah, their daughter. She used to brag about how her father had a special office built in the house that nobody knew about except the builders, and they were sworn to secrecy. She only knew about it because she spied on him one day, the naughty girl. Oh, she showed it to me once. He must have been a bootlegger. It would explain how people keep disappearing. Where in the house is it? As I recall, it's in the very center of the house, on the second floor. The door was in the master bedroom in the back of the closet. And now we're getting somewhere. We'll surround the house and take... No, 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 that'll just get people killed. I need to go in alone. Eddie! It's the only way, and you know it. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just being logical. She's watching. I can feel it. Get out of sight, all of you. Make it look as if I just refused your help and you're giving up. 
You can move up once I'm inside. I don't like it. The chance of her killing you... Is one I have to take. There are two innocent lives at stake in there. And I won't let them die because of me. Yeah. Let's go, everyone. Eddie. I'll be praying for you. We all will. Helen, I'm here, and I'm alone. Come on out. So you are, Eddie James. It's been a long time, Eddie James. Miss me? Part of me misses part of you. The rest of me remembers the gun you pulled on me. Where's Susie, Helen? I've missed you, Eddie. You were almost all I thought about in prison. That dank, colorless, soul-robbing cement tomb. I thought about how we kissed. How the touch of your hand on my cheek would make me tingle. About how you should have died when I shot you. Because death is the fate of all of my lovers. You cheated death, Eddie James. And you cheated me. I can't leave cheating unpunished. You can see that, can't you? Susie had nothing to do with that, Helen. I, I didn't even know her then. I've never met Bronwyn Fletcher. Where are they, Helen? Of course you didn't meet my sister. I wouldn't have let that happen, even if she and I weren't estranged. We used to be close, Bronwyn and I. Very close. Then she insisted on getting married. And she wouldn't share her husband the way she always shared her toys and books. He wanted nothing to do with me anyway. He spurned any affection I tried to give him. If he hadn't had a heart attack, he would have been my first victim. He didn't deserve to live. Neither does she. But she does live, for now. So does your precious assistant. I have them hidden away in a very safe place. Let them go, Helen. You kidnapped them to get me. Here I am. Turn them loose. Oh, so you, you think this is a hostage exchange? <laughs> oh. Brave, handsome Eddie James. So gallant, so selfless, so noble. You were like that when we were lovers, weren't you? You thought you were the knight to my damsel. <laughs> you were wrong. I wasn't the damsel. I was the dragon in disguise. I never loved you. I just wanted to destroy you. I know. I knew it then, too. I thought I could break the spell, turn the dragon into a damsel. You and every other pompous, self-absorbed man in the world. Tame the woman, make her submit to you, and be seen as a hero. Just as much of an idiot as they are. No man can change me. 
I won't be tamed. On the other hand, you will die because that is what I want. And that is what the world needs. Oh, no, he won't. You're strong, but I'm stronger. <laughs> don't try to struggle. You can't break free from me this time. I don't know how you got out of that room, but it doesn't matter. Now Eddie James will get to watch you die. Helen, stop. She's done nothing wrong. Let her go. Not a chance, big sister. She's connected to him, and he is the biggest evil the world has ever known. You do this, and you'll die too. The cops have surrounded this place, I'm sure of it. Shut up. <clears throat> For them to catch me, they would have to know all of the secrets of this house. I assure you they don't. <laughs> all they'll find is three corpses. <laughs> Mr. James, are you armed? No. Then I suggest you open the drawer in the table just behind your right hand. Oh, a gun. How handy. It's not going to do you any good. Not for keeping your girl alive. You, you wouldn't shoot me anyway. You're in love with me. You told me so. You could never, ever shoot the one you love. I, I... Uh... Eddie, do what you have to do. Not what the law says, not what she says, not even what I say. I've got your back. I always have, and I always will. Susie, I, I can't. She's got you fully in front of her. You can. If you don't, she'll kill you and escape and kill more people. Better just me than a bunch of innocents. I'll just fade into the sunset. I'll fade, Eddie. Every day at three, you can watch the sun go down and think of me. At three, Eddie. Oh, I will, Susie. You're the best sidekick I've ever had. I'll remember you at three, at two, and at one. <laughs> How? How? I'll see you in hell. Eddie James. <sighs> Susie, are you okay? Yeah, the bullet creased my temple as I went down, but it's just a scratch. Are you okay? No. And I don't know if I ever will be. Uh, I'm gonna need you to give a full statement at the station, Susie, but... Uh, Give me the Reader's Digest version now. What happened? Helen kidnapped her sister, then me, and hid us in a secret bootlegger's room. Bronwyn, Mrs. Fletcher, managed to get me untied, then I untied her. We found the trick to open the door after a lot of groping in the dark. I tried to get the jump on Helen, but she was too strong for me. Well, sanity makes people superhuman. No normal man or woman could ever best you, Suze. But how did Eddie manage to shoot her and not you? Code. I told him I'd fade into the sunset, meaning I'd sag in Helen's grasp. That would give him a split second to aim and fire. It was the only chance we had of both of us getting out of there alive. Thank God he decided we should create a code for just that situation. My boss is one smart man. Uh, he sure is. 
His heart's too big, though. He's paying for his actions when there's no amount due. I'm going to go remind him of that. I'm sure you two lovebirds need a minute anyway. Eddie? Wayne? It had to be done. There wasn't any other way. I know. It doesn't make it any easier. I never wanted to kill her. I never... I never wanted to kill anyone, but especially not her. It was you or her, and the good guy won. You won't be charged with anything. Captain's orders. You might get a medal, though. Is there anything I can do? Tell the captain to keep his medal. As for you doing anything, there's nothing anyone can do. It's just gonna take time. Maybe a lifetime's worth. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Case Files of Eddie James, brought to you by Bizzo Soap, the versatile soap that can't be beat for dishes, gets your white laundry sparkling white, keeps the colors of the rest of your laundry at their brand new brilliance, and yet is gentle enough for washing your hands and face. One soap for so many uses, which saves the savvy housewife time and money. Bizzo Soap, for the Bizzo Busy Woman. Tonight's cast included Lauren Baumbauer, Val Coons, Max Levine, Mike Luce, Richard Tatum, Rachel Wasserman, and Keith Wright. Story by Val Coons, Sound Patterns by Val Coons. This has been a Q Footsteps production. Get Helen wherever you bake or shop. If I was baking, I'd be on a sandwich. <laughs> Is there tartar sauce? <sighs> he makes wonderful fish sauce. Honk, honk. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs>